Good morning, everyone. My name is Justin LaRosa, and I'm grateful to be with you today. I am I serve as the minister of the Hyde Park Downtown Emerging Com- Congregation, and I get to do this every once in a while, and it is my joy to do it with you all, to be with you all. Let's just close our eyes and try to center on the presence of God that is here and now. God, I pray that the words of the songs, the words of the prayers, the words of the scripture, the words of my mouth would penetrate our hearts and set them on fire. In Christ's name, amen. Well, names are important. Aren't they? You think? Names are important. There's a passage in the Hebrew scripture that says, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. Somebody knows it. I like that. Somebody said that. Nice work. Isaiah 43, in case you're curious. It's something that we've been remembering, trying to live out, trying to memorize through the Wesley Covenant prayer, that We are gods. We are gods. So if there's only one thing that you remember, whether we're going to talk about the portico and a bunch of other stuff, which is lovely, but God knows your name. God knows my name and God knows all names. So if that's the only thing you remember, And you walk out with that in your heart. That will be good. So this conviction drove Paul, drove our Methodist forefathers and foremothers. Is that a word? And thank you. And Hyde Park to reach out to people who wouldn't come to them. That conviction that we just talked about. And it ignited them to go places where others wouldn't go. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Paul was willing to do anything, absolutely anything, to share the name of Jesus with others. He would go anywhere. Why? Because he had this experience that God knew his name back on the road of Damascus. And back... I guess in Acts 13 through 17, he had kind of fallen a a rhythm of doing things. He'd go to the temple, preach the good news and go, and it was working good. But we experienced something new in Acts 17 that would change a lot. So here he is in Athens, a place where people were really rooted in ancient philosophies. And he was bringing this new way of understanding God. He was speaking to people who would never go to the temple, ever. He was talking to people outside their context, or outside the Jewish context. But before we get to what happened there, I want to just read a few verses proceeding, because I think it illuminates some, some things. It says, while Paul waited for them in Athens, he was deeply distressed to find that the city was flooded with idols. His heart was angry because he saw, oh my gosh, they, they haven't experienced this love. They haven't experienced this God who knows them by name. And then he goes on to say, 
He, so he went to the temple and then it starts up again. And it says he also addressed whoever happened to be in the marketplace that day. So he went out. Certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers engaged him in discussion and said, what an amateur. What's he trying to say? Others remarked, he has a, been a proclaimer of foreign gods. So this isn't like uh, Paul's just going to give some speech to the, this council. This was the exact charge that uh, Socrates was killed by preaching foreign divinities. So this was like high stakes stuff that he was moving in towards. So they took him into custody. That doesn't sound like that was a great thing and brought him to the council on Mars Hill. And they say, what is this new teaching? Can we learn what you're even talking about? You told us some strange things and we want to know what they mean. This is because Athenians, as well as the foreigners who live in Athens, used to spend their time doing nothing but talking about or listening to the newest thing. Sounds familiar to me. What? Uh, come on. There's good things in California. Come on. So I went around. I found some Epicureans this week. I think I, I was there. It was. I actually went there. Bad joke. Sorry. So Athens was a city saturated. Um, what might be best described with people who were spiritual and religious, but we could relate it to spiritual, not religious, as we would think about it today. So many gods to choose from, so many altars to go and worship them. And um, people certainly had never heard the name Jesus at that time. And so here's what these two groups really believed. The Epicureans believed that, one, everything happens by chance. Oh, it's just random. Happens by chance. And two, that there was a God, but God was totally indifferent. God didn't know your name, or if he did, he didn't care. And then the Stoics, on the other hand, believed that everything was God. We have a good bit of that going on today. And the spark of life in humans went back to God after death. And that everything that is, was to happen was already faded. So why even care? You know, it is what it is kind of thing. It was meant to happen. And then the last, this is an interesting belief. The world disintegrated after ever so many years and then started all over again. So it's kind of in that context, in that rooted understanding of how God and the world works, that Paul comes and delivers somewhat of a different way of sharing the gospel than he had from Acts 13 up until now. God, or I'm sorry, Paul wanted to affirm their search for God. He, and he starts out by saying that. I see that you are a very religious people. He, he starts with that. And, but he wanted to turn their understanding of God upside down. And he, didn't, he did it by connecting with who they were and in their own context. He wanted, to, he wanted them to know exactly what I said in the beginning, that God knows their name. That God was not indifferent. That things don't ever start over every so, uh, every couple of years or however long. That, that Jesus Christ came to show us a new way to love, to be in this world and the one to come. So just a few verses after, uh, again, names being important. We hear this in verse 34. Some people joined 
Paul, and came to believe, including Dionysus, a member of the council on Mars Hill, and a woman named Damaris, and several others. Names are important to God. And like Paul, I want to connect us now with our Methodist roots of why we're going downtown, why we're doing stuff different. If we look in our own history, we find that there are others who had a conviction about sharing who God is in Jesus's name rather than waiting uh, for the people to come to the church. They went out to the people. So in the earliest part of our American history, the Methodist circuit riders went out all around. And there's this guy named J.C. Lee. And actually, there's somebody in the 930 service who is related to him, which is kind of cool. And so this guy traveled on all throughout horseback, uh, all throughout Florida on horseback from the panhandle all the way down to the Keys, planting churches, reaching out to the settlers who had never come in to the churches. And then in 1846, he met 17 people and formed them together in Tampa. And Cliff, what did they do? They formed First United Methodist Church in downtown Tampa. And it was that DNA that wanted to reach new people that he, at the first Methodist service in July, right down on Fort Booking Garage on Florida, said, we are to bring... Scriptural holiness in the Methodist way across the peninsula of Florida. What he was saying, brothers and sisters, is there's people out there that we need to share the love of Christ with, that God knows their name. Because of J.C.'s uh, conviction and because of First United Methodist Church's conviction back in 1899, some 50 years after they established that congregation, the Platte Street Bridge wasn't working real well. And they said, you know what? We have to reach these strange and new people in Hyde Park suburb. <laughs> and we're going to go out to them and plant a church. And so in 1899, in that little firehouse in the corner, there was a first children's Sunday school. That house, none of you care, is now down on Swan Avenue as that little art center. But there were 30 people in that house singing a song about God's love that God knew their name. And if you fast forward 116 years, 165 years actually, um, here in this place in Tampa and across all really the United States and England too, in the, we're experiencing a form of Athens. We're experiencing a form of people looking and understanding God in different ways that are more informed than they've ever been in their lives. And people who have been radically affected negatively by the church. I meet with them. I talk with them. I know. People who don't respond to the traditional forms of ministry. And just like Paul on Mars Hill. And one of the things to notice about Paul on Mars Hill is he did. Did he say Jesus's name? He didn't in that. He didn't right there. He probably did before, but he didn't right there. Did he quote scripture? No. You know what he used? He used people in their own context. 
Justin the martyr in the first century who was slaughtered said Socrates had Christ in part, but didn't have the fullness of Jesus. He took them in their context. Christ was already there. He pointed to a, uh, an altar that was to an unknown God and said that Christ came before you, before you knew Jesus, and Christ is here. Christ is out ahead of us in downtown. Christ is out ahead of us in Hillsborough County. God is already there. And it's our invitation and our opportunity and our honor to tell people about Jesus' name. Not in a kind of way. Most people, that doesn't really work very well. But to listen to their stories, to hear them. That's why the portico is important. There are people for whom will never come here. Never. And this is an opportunity for us to connect with them, to listen to their stories, to invite them into new ways. This is the why that we're doing it. This is what we're called to do. So the portico, if you don't know what that is, I'm going to tell you quickly and then I'm going to tell you a story. Just uh, something that changed me. The portico is a community gathering space first, a place for the community to gather. It's a, it's a community gathering space that is all about conversation, connection, and community change. Can you put the conversation slide up? We want to foster conversation about important matters. That's why we do some of the doc films. That's why we have some of the, the things on the Pope. We watch the Pope. We want to gather people together to have conversation about important issues. That's what Paul did. Paul went to the marketplace and had conversation. Second is connection. What is the hottest spiritual practice right now in our, um, in our society? Anybody? Yell it. Meditation. Meditation. Yoga. Which is lovely. How many of you know that there's a 2,000 year history of that in Christianity? Silence. A few of you. We call it practicing the presence. Buddhists would call it mindfulness. There's, there is an opportunity for us to know and experience God in silence in ways. And that's going to be one of the things that we do through connection. Connections with God and connections with others. Last, community change. Participating community change. As a part of the worshiping community that's forming down there, one key essential element that we're going to do is serve once a month together out in the community. And invite people to see that all Christians aren't aliens or, or mean. And I'm not saying all Christians aren't. Are in any way, shape, or form. Okay. Maybe so. Come, Holy Spirit, come. So, that's the why of it. The portico is going to be a front porch. That's why we named it. John Wesley believed that preceding human decision, preceding um, this, this justification of making a decision, that there was something called the front porch of faith. Solomon's portico in the temple was a place where the doctors of the law gather and people came to ask questions. That's what portico is going to be about. We're going to have, we're going to do four, four or five key things. First, we're going to have a six day a week cafe that impacts the most vulnerable. We're going to have a coffee shop where you know whatever you buy is going to impact the vulnerable. How's it going to do that? Our plan is to hire people 
who might not otherwise get hired. And to, and to have all local things that would impact locally our community. Second, we're going to serve the community that I talked about that. Third, we're going to have silence. Fourth, we're going to create a hub for artistic expression and creativity. We're going to be doing a mural project. Our plan is to do a mural project on the side of the um, downtown somewhere that really highlights conversation, connection, community change. We're going to connect with people who are spiritual and not religious in this time in new ways. Brothers and sisters, the mission field defines the methods, not the other way around. Our mission field defines the ways in which we will connect with people, not our methods. Sometimes in the traditional church, we like to baptize the message methods and try to apply it on all different groups of people, and that doesn't work. So I'm going to tell you a quick story because I went way off what I was going to say. Um, we, made a, we made a decision last Easter to go off of campus and go into Waterworks Park to do the sunrise service. How many of you did that this year? A few of you. Well, that wasn't an easy decision. We had done that sunrise service in that parking lot over there for a long time. We had 100 people come. We thought, ah, we'll have like 120 people come down there. So we made this decision to go, 320 people came. We went to the where the people were. We got off of the church. But that's not what I want to tell you about. So I, had, I realized earlier that week, I was like, I don't know where the sun's going to rise. I know it's going to rise in the east. I'm not that dumb. But I don't know, ex I don't know exactly where it's going to rise. So I went down there. I went down there. I realized I have two minutes left, so I've got to make it quick. I went down there, and I saw somebody under the band shell, sleeping with her dog and with a wheelchair. And her name is Ruby. Her name is Ruby. And I met and, and talked with Ruby and I came to find out that she was going to be moving in Vista, right across the street from the portico. I told her about the sunrise service. I told her that we'd be there the next day and I invited her back and we've stayed connected. Ruby will be at the portico tonight at our small group. I got permission to talk with her about this. She's got housed. And, and life isn't easy for Ruby now suddenly. Suddenly because she, she has a house. It's still challenging for her living in. But I want to tell you, it started with a conversation. It started with connection. And it is changing the community. And I'm not just talking about her life. I'm talking about me. And I'm talking about us. When we do things in different ways and connect in people and tell them that God knows your name. God loves you. God is not indifferent. And it does matter. Lives are changed. Brothers and sisters, this is why we do it. This is why we do it. So I'm going to end how I began. Names are important. Names are important. There are names in, there are people in your life right now who haven't come to experience the love of Christ and don't know his name. Maybe know his name superficially, but haven't experienced it in their heart in a way that will transform them and set their life on fire to love God and love others more and more and more and more. And so I urge you, and hey, I urge you to go out to the display and find out more about the portico, but pick up a name. These names are actual residents in downtown.
pray for them. They, are, they might already have experienced the love of Christ. They might go to a different church. I don't even care. I believe that when we experience the saving power of Jesus, our lives change. And so whether it's at Hyde Park or the Portico or some other church downtown, it's okay. Pick it up and pray because names matter to God. Let us pray. Lord, I give thanks for who you are, that you know our name and you won't forget us. We're going to end our time with reciting the Wesley Covenant prayer. Um, Here we go. Could you put that up? I am no longer my own, but thine.